My brothers and sisters this morning were invited to consider the parable of the ten virgins. Five foolish, five wise. Now, I don't know about you, but when I first heard this parable when I was a kid, I thought to myself, hmm, these wise virgins say no to the foolish ones. Aren't they being a little selfish? How many of us here maybe think something like this? What do you think? Well, okay, so this is the problem I'd like to address today. How is it that the no of the virgins is not actually selfish or unloving? My brothers and sisters, one of the most important lessons we can learn in life is that we sometimes have to say no to people. The ability to say no means that we have a healthy sense of self. And this is a good thing. In fact, the word no is the main tool we use when we're infants to develop our own identities. Pediatricians tell us that from around 18 months or so, babies discover the word no. And from there on out, they use it quite generously. Moms call this the terrible twos, right? In this phase of baby's development, his saying no is his way of separating himself from his mother and forming his own identity. And this is a good thing. Unless we first see ourselves as free, independent individuals, how can we truly love others and enter into communion with them? We will grow up not loving, but fearing others. We will do what others want us to do, not because we love them, but because we're afraid to displease them. So while children in their early years need age-appropriate punishments for misbehavior, their tendency to say no and to get into trouble is fundamentally a healthy thing that needs to be respected by parents. For example, little Johnny wants to get down on the ground, run around and bang into things. His mother Sally, though, remembers the time not long ago when she could just hold Johnny in her arms and he'd sit still and gaze back into her eyes. Sally longs for those days. So, instead of setting squirmy Johnny on the ground and letting him terrorize the cat, Sally holds him tight and says, No, no, Johnny. Mommy wants to hold you now and love you. Sally is here teaching Johnny, indirectly, that other people's wants are more important than his. That he's not a free individual, able to make choices and take risks on his own. She's not really loving Johnny. Rather, she's using him to get her own emotional needs met. She's preparing him to grow up and to be used instead of respected and loved. Now over against Sally, let's contrast Jane. This is a true story. When Jane's oldest boy, Tom, was only eight years old, he got into an argument with a classmate who had criticized his little brother. Tom didn't like the insult and told the boy to come over to his house after school to duke it out. Well, late in the afternoon, the doorbell rang. Jane opened the door. On her front steps stood the boy who had called her younger son names. Jane greeted him. Hi, honey. Can I help you? The boy responded, Yep, I'm here to fight Tom. Jane was startled and paused for a few moments to think. Then she calmly spoke to the boy. Oh, I see. Well, Tom's in the backyard. You can find him there. 
She then just closed the door. Sure enough, the boy walked around the side of the house and found Tom in the backyard. As the two met and stared each other in the eyes, Jane watched from the kitchen window. They exchanged a few words. Their skinny little eight-year-old arms began to flail. Next thing you know, they're rolling on the ground. And after they wrestled around a bit, Jane came out and declared the fight over. She brought them both into the house, treated them to some milk and cookies, and sent the other boy home. In his adult years, Tom had this to say, reflecting on that incident from his life. My mom did the right thing. Instead of swooping in and saving me, she let me, my, she let me handle my own problems. She knew I needed to defend my little brother. She knew my pride was at stake. And she wouldn't take that from me. I felt on top of the world after that fight was over. And of course, it wasn't a real fight after all. What was important, though, is that I thought it was a real fight. And that afterwards, I believed I could handle myself. And I saw that my mother believed it, too. Her actions told me, Tom, you can handle whatever problems life sends your way. I believe in you. That little fight was one of the greatest gifts my mother ever gave me. Well, let's go back to our parable and focus in on one of its major elements, the oil. The wise virgins brought with them extra oil. The foolish had oil too, though. Remember, they end up going to some merchants and buying oil. It's just that this oil didn't help them get into the wedding feasts. Now, what what do these two different oils symbolize? Think about it. Oil is smooth and comforting and consoling. The oil of the wise and the oil of the foolish virgins leads us to ask the question, where in life do we find our comforts, our consolation? If we prioritize spiritual things over what is merely external and temporal, we will enjoy the consolation of a clear conscience. The wise love God first, And then they love their own souls. And then they love their neighbor's soul. These are all spiritual things. Only then do the wise value the things of the earth like wealth and pleasure and the esteem and approval of others. The foolish, on the other hand, put external things first. They love pleasure and the esteem and approval of others. This is the consolation they seek. This is their oil. But the merchants of this world sell them this oil at a great cost. Yes, the foolish buy this oil at the cost of their own souls. And they end up not really loving others. Their relationships with others are mercantile. I give you whatever you want, and in return I get your acceptance. I never say no to you, and I get to be regarded by you as a nice person. But that's not true love. That's letting yourself be used. And the foolish who let themselves be manipulated like this often turn around and manipulate others. They have a hard time saying no to others, and so they often have a hard time hearing no from others. Because deep down they feel that their own freedom has been violated, they often try to get even with life by violating the freedom of others. There are the obvious examples, of course, The wife who feels controlled by her husband's alcoholism 
copes with her situation through manipulation tactics. She lies to her husband and to others, all with the goal of trying to fix him. And then there are the more subtle instances. The man whose boss pressures him to perform tasks beyond his job description goes home and bosses his wife around. The adult sibling, who always seems to be in debt, depends on his brother for money. Instead of saying no to him, his brother bails him out time and time again, but then plays old childhood mind games with him, making him feel like a loser. This, though, my brothers and sisters, is not how the wise live their lives. And their healthy sense of self goes well beyond just being able to stand up for their rights in the here and now. They prioritize their eternal well-being, and they refuse to do things that will jeopardize it. They're not intimidated by domineering people because they're not living for the approval of others. They're living to please God. The soothing oil of a clear conscience means more to them than popularity. Because they focus on unseen spiritual realities, they can rightly discern unseen moral boundaries in their interpersonal relationships. They know when their responsibilities end and when the responsibilities of others begin, and they don't confuse the two. When they say no, their no is just, and they stick to it, even if it angers the foolish. They will not be cowed by accusations of being unlovish, unloving, or selfish. To let someone sin against you is to let that person hurt himself as much as you. And that's not the loving thing to do. That's truly selfish. The wise understand this, and they act accordingly, no matter what the social consequences might be. And so in closing, my brothers and sisters, let's be people who have a healthy sense of self and who love their eternal souls. Let's respect other people's no and have the courage ourselves to say no. Let's refuse the false consolations of the world and instead enjoy the consolation that comes from living according to our conscience and our religion. In this way, when all is said and done, Jesus will welcome us into the eternal wedding banquet and number us among the wise.